Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, July 7th, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Hockey. Grace, we are going in to the upside down. Before we get into our actual stories today, are you a Stranger Things fan, aficionado, viewer? I'm the strangest thing. Well, that is that is true. That is very true. So I started watching this in when it started, right? And because like the the kids that I was nannying at the time, we were all in Atlanta area based. She was actually like a stand-in for like Eleven and whatnot. So I have tracked this show for years, and I haven't watched the latest season, which is bumming me out because all I hear is Kate Bush's song on repeat on TikTok. Yeah. So I'm I'm actually starting it this week back up to kind of catch myself up because holy crap, yeah, is it everywhere? It is everywhere. I actually. She wrote an article on Wednesday at the Streamable oh. that included information on how big this has been for Kate Bush. Her song, Running Up That Hill, has yes. become, it's actually entering its third week as the number one song on the UK charts, which is crazy awesome. because the song was released in 1985. It has also become her first top five hit in the US ever. Again, oh. nearly 40 years after it was released. Um, it has also generated, uh, as of now, an estimated $2.3 million in streaming rights, which is great for Kate. Which is... It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Like, but it's it's extra important for her because she owns the copyrights to her own song. So she will actually pocket uh, approximately 80% of that money. And you, as I think you were going to say, being somebody who works in the music industry, yeah. streaming rights does not get a lot of money. So to get $2.3 million in that short amount of time is saying something. It's really saying something. I don't think I can stress enough how surprisingly shocking it's been to learn that the uh, the ability to like stream music while incredibly accessible and we love to see it. I am a you know a prime Spotify member, what have Me you. Like I think yeah, it's kind of lucrative. So if you can like do the math, which you know famously I will not do, um, it's that's how much it streamed. And I have to say, it is in my top three uh, listens of, of the past three weeks. So sorry about that. Yeah, nope, no, <laughs> nothing to be sorry about at all. But good for Kate Bush, um, and who is honestly somebody who I feel like I've heard a lot about in the last couple of years, but I have no idea what any of her songs sound like. I don't know what this song sounds like. I know nothing what? about her. You haven't listened to Running Up That Hill? No, I don't know the song at all. I know nothing. If only God. Oh my gosh, And I know gosh, she's got a song a like bop. Weathering Heights had like its own day earlier this yes. week where people dress up like her. Like I, I don't know a single yes. thing she sings, but I've heard a lot about her. And like, didn't, is that who Jessica Vosk played in that, um, being Oliver, becoming Nancy? becoming Nancy, like she was, she played an aunt, but like, then she also had like some sort of like Kate Bush side character as well. I think maybe, uh, someone fact check me on that as I'm sure you will. But <laughs> anyway, of course you can hear all of our episodes over patreon.com slash Broadway radio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. We will not make $2.3 million, uh, per month, uh, there, but if you would like to contribute and help us keep the lights on here and keep us doing what we're doing, please contribute what you can. All right. Speaking of things in the Stranger Things universe, uh, on Wednesday, the Duffer Brothers, who are the creators and showrunners for Stranger Things, announced a record-breaking uh, production company deal that is going to basically run the gamut of entertainment properties. They are calling it Upside Down Pictures, which, of course, has to do uh, with the Stranger Things cinematic universe. And they're going to be doing a whole bunch of stuff that is related to Stranger Things, as well as other properties, and working a lot in conjunction 
with Netflix. The reason we're going to talk about this, though, is because one of the properties that they are going to be working on is a new stage play set within the world of Stranger Things that is going to be produced by Sonia Friedman and directed by Stephen Daldry. Uh, Netflix will also be on as a producer. Uh, Of course, Stephen Daldry has worked on both stage and screen and worked very closely with uh, with Netflix, having been um, one of the folks behind The Crown. And what I think is most interesting about this is Sonia Friedman Productions, of course, is the lead producer on Harry Potter and the Cursed Child as well. So definitely has some experience bringing these large intellectual property pieces to the stage in ways that are able to kind of craft their own story while also being able to maintain a lot of the magic pun certainly intended uh, from the original properties you and i both saw uh, cursed child earlier this year after having never seen it on stage before um uh, unlike you i did watch season one of stranger things but have not watched anything since so i guess the only way that i'm going to see this new stranger things stage show is if someone from my high school theater days ends up being cast in it because otherwise that's the only way i would have seen harry potter and the cursed child so i guess we'll see what happens there (laughs) Uh, Some of the other properties that are being part of this Upside Down Pictures Venture is a series adaptation of Death Note, which is a Japanese manga and anime series. Um, There's also an original series from Jeff Addis and Will Matthews, who were behind uh, Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. There's a series adaptation of the Stephen King and Peter Straub 1984 novel The Talisman. Uh, and then a Stranger Things live-action spinoff that'll be coming to Netflix, which is uh, based on a very different part of the Stranger Things universe. So somebody who has more background information on the Stranger Things world than I do, Grace, are you hoping for a prequel, a sequel, something in the world but completely unrelated to the series? What are you hoping to see from this stage adaptation? I hope it stays in the world, but I have to say what's interesting about the Duffer Brothers series versus what can be on stage is that what you get is like you can't stylize as much as you can in film, right? So when you see something like that's like from the 80s or dated, it just doesn't it doesn't show well on stage for whatever reason. Every time I've seen like an 80s themed musical that's set in that world, it just looks Wedding singer, uh, yeah, wedding singer, or I don't know what it Back is. To the future. It just doesn't work yeah. as well. Yeah, it, it doesn't work as well as it could if it was in a film medium, which is kind of like their Super Eight kind of it has uh, to do with, rustic. Yeah, it has to do with like yeah. the 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 picture quality, and it's a little sepia tone, and it's got a little different mm-hmm. style when you're seeing it live in living color. To borrow a phrase from another previous decade set musical <laughs> it it just looks weird it, it looks like a costume party rather than actual people living their true lives right but if they are smart they will incorporate sadie sink who was an annie cover i believe on broadway she was in the uh, 10 minute version all too well taylor swift music video she's part of the stranger things show uh, the tv show i'm just saying it would be really smart if they utilized her in some capacity because she has theater ties besides yeah gaten matarazzo yeah. who's right now and dear evan hansen so we'll see yeah all right we'll see what happens there i have no idea what this is going to be about or when it is coming to the stage but one thing i do know is chances are it'll do very very well when it does make it to whether it's the west end or to broadway 
All right, let's move into something else, talking about things doing well or not so well when when they are on Broadway. And let's talk about last week's Broadway grosses. Last week, Broadway saw a 3% decline at the box office as July 4th is often a slower weekend for theater as folks spend more time out of town and, if they are in town, outside. However... Collectively, the main stem did gross $29,926,106, down just $863K over the previous week. In total, attendance actually rose by 4%, adjusting up to 238,943 butts in seats. Of course, the addition of Into the Woods certainly helped things out as the star studded revival did a very healthy $1,381,000 during its first seven performance week. To underline the difficulties that many shows have, had over the holiday weekend, nine of Broadway's 28 returning shows saw week-over-week declines of at least six figures. And all but six of the shows that were coming back, I'm not counting Into the Woods since it didn't have a previous week, but all but six actually saw numbers in the red for the week, which means they'd lost money from the previous frame. Plaza Suite saw the biggest decline, dropping nearly $552,000, but that is because they only did six shows because of the holiday that was previously scheduled to be a short week because of the fourth. Now, despite a more than 660k decline, the Music Man still reigned supreme, coming in at $3,007,547, followed by The Lion King, interestingly enough, at $2.16 million, then Hamilton at $2.15, Wicked at $1.83, and MJ at $1.71. The rest of the Millionaire's Club for the Week in descending order was Cursed Child, Into the Woods, Aladdin, Six, Moulin Rouge, Beetlejuice, Plaza Suite, and The Phantom of the Opera. While The Strange Loop did see a modest $6,100 decline, it was the show's second highest grossing week on Broadway and maintained 99% capacity, so that's good. Not as good. Funny Girl dipped $325,000 down to $743K, the only time that the show has been under $1 million bucks since its initial one-show week back in late March. Paradise Square had its worst post-Tony's week at $300,058. Well, that is actually the show's fifth highest grossing frame since beginning performances in mid-March. It does put it as the lowest grossing show on the boards without a closing date announced grace. Yeah, I I mean, we've been talking about this for quite a while. I'm glad that we talk about the grosses because they're very important and and kind of, you know, so that nothing comes out of left field, right? Once we get an announcement or something like that. But it gets curiouser and curiouser for me. That's all I can say. You kind of wonder how they're making those books add up to keep the show running. I mean, is there some money happening to show up somewhere that doesn't actually exist in real life? I mean, who can say? But maybe it doesn't. I mean, I've I've heard of things, you know, it's it's um. I feel like there's going to be a documentary one day about all of this. Not just, no, I'm not talking about specifically what this instance, but I just mean like overall, like the world that sits behind all of this, uh, because I think it's particularly fascinating and something that we don't talk about at all. And I think that the more transparency that we have, uh, the better off, the more equitable our industry becomes. But um, yeah, I'm, whew, holding my breath. Yeah, I believe there is a Garth Grabinski documentary out there. Uh, He is obviously the lead producer. Yeah, it's a 2012 documentary called Showstopper, The Theatrical Life of Garth Drabinsky, a powerful, uncensored account of a brilliant, feared, charming, and yet loathsome character, Garth Drabinsky. So, maybe they'll have a sequel. Who knows? 
Speaking of things that are much more exciting than uh, Paradise Square's poor grosses, uh, on his Instagram account, Jeff Creedy, who is currently one of the understudies and standbys in uh, in company on Broadway, announced that he would be stepping in for Christopher Fitzgerald for uh, the time period between July 5th through the 24th. And why that is notable is, is that he will be playing opposite his real-life wife, Ricky Nikki Renee Daniels, who is playing Jenny, uh, opposite David. They are going to get to play opposite each other for uh, almost three full weeks, and then Chris is going to come back for the final week of the show before it closes on July 31st. That is very fun and cool. Um, Jeff is not only in this show, but he has a number of Broadway credits, including having been the Michael Dorsey, Dorothy Michaels standby in Tootsie on Broadway, been an original company member of Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, was in Billy Elliot, Sunday in the Park with George, Les Miserables, all of those types of things as well. So that, that's got to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing how that goes with them. Yeah, I know. I think it's really sweet and it's a good sell too. It's a definite smart. I mean, it's obviously like what was going to happen, but I just mean that like marketing wise, it's really Mm -hmm. smart to kind of in this last uh, leg to push like those opportunities. Um, I know that when Nikki went on for Bobby, um, it was a similar like social media campaign of like, go see her, you know? So um, I think that getting to see them together is probably another um, incentive for some people. If they're missing Chris Fitzgerald, at least you're getting a really sweet moment between two actors and a couple. Yeah, and also they did the same thing when Jen Samart was on for Patty. So it's like they've done a really good job, especially when you stack your cast with as many like talented professionals as they have, and they've layered those folks who are principal and featured parts in as understudies as well. It gives you opportunities to continue to draw in a number of theater folks who might, you know, have already seen the show but would come back to see somebody in a different role. So I think that's it's really smart casting and producing from their part and they are not hiding it there we know that there are certain producers out there who hide when understudies are on and obviously we love chris fitzgerald but i don't know if he's you know the same as like the green girl when you know someone else goes on as alphaba but uh it's good that they are championing these kind of different things when folks are getting the opportunities to play different principal roles that they don't normally In other casting news, the Public Theater announced the complete casting for its upcoming Shakespeare in the Park Public Works production of As You Like It. It was, of course, adapted by artist-in-residence Shana Taub and the director of Public Works, Lori Woolery. Uh, This is a musical adaptation with music and lyrics by Taub and choreography by uh, Sonia Taya. She did the original version of it, and the choreography is being restaged by Billy Griffin. Um, The cast is really, really fantastic. It includes, and this is just some of them, we'll have the complete list in the show notes if you want to check it all out. Um, Not only will Tal be in the cast, as uh, as she often is in the past, but it will feature Ato Blankson Woods, uh, Rebecca Naomi Jones, Jonathan Jordan, Idana Kuzada, um, and and others. I'm kind of going through this list. There's a bunch of names, but some really, really cool opportunities to see some really talented performance. Mm. All right, Grace, this is a story that we're going to end the show with today. Uh, Not a feel-good recommendation, but it's something that you and I have been discussing throughout the day and has been really all over social media. But for the second time in three years, it nearly the entire artistic staff of Chicago's Tony winning Victory Gardens Theater has abruptly resigned. This time it was done via, I guess, a medium post, which was shared all over social media. Uh, 
in which the members of the affiliated group of artists, including resident directors and ensemble playwrights, announced that they would be leaving the organization because of, uh, I mean, a whole host of things. They have a number of complaints, but basically a lack of transparency and past toxic behavior that was exhibited by the board of directors, especially as they handled the transition of trying to find a new executive director and how they dealt with um, the newly hired artistic director, Ken Matt Martin, who was one of only three black men to be running major regional theaters across the country. Uh, um, Ken Matt Martin was apparently according to press notes um put on a leave of absence just this week um it's a really really messy messy story if you go over to medium you can read the entire um layout of things including correspondence that these artists sent to the board before any of these things were made over a month's time they had they sent a number of of letters to the board of directors and apparently according to this medium post only got a one sentence reply throughout that entire period um one of the playwrights involved isaac gomez uh, has kind of documented everything there and then uh, chris jones in the chicago tribune kind of did a roundup of everything so we will have both of those um, pieces in the show notes so you can read through this but it really just seems like a top toxic situation there during the summer of 2020 the entire artistic staff uh, of the victory gardens resigned as well due to the lack of response of the racial reckoning that was happening in the country and especially in the theater community at that time so it seems like not much has changed uh in a statement that was given to the chicago tribune the board chair charles h uh, charles e harris basically said we understand their concerns but we have to balance both artistic and financial responsibilities. And we think that this is uh, that while they, you know, the decisions were difficult, these were the things that we had to do to keep the company solvent. So who knows, perhaps the answer lies somewhere in between, but it, it certainly seems pretty toxic. And you have to wonder if they'll actually be able to get any high quality artists to join that staff, given the tumultuous past few years with the company. Yeah, this is just really embarrassing and heartbreaking and like uh, but the 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 I guess positive if you want it cuz you know that's me trying to be you know like mm-hmm. let's look for the good I guess is that um we are holding people accountable, right? Um and if there's anything like that in a, in a community of especially artists like so often in this industry we're always told and internalized like well you know just like get through this or you know like the it's all supposed to be like painful but you learn from it and all this stuff and it's just like no you know this should be a, a welcoming facility this should be something that we um, applaud and uplift each other and especially people that have been historically marginalized so um, I just, um, yeah, I hope things get better. I mean, I, over the weekend, I saw more about like the Q, uh, bar in Hell's Kitchen. I mean, so many people are coming forward about like, you know what, this is not an organization that I can, you know, trust anymore. I, I want to leave them. Da, 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 da. And it's just like, wow, you know, so, um, we'll, we'll keep up to date as much as possible with that. But, um, yeah, thank you for <laughs> reading through all this. Cause I saw a huge amount of social media posts about it today. And I just kept sending them to Matt being like, have you read this one? Have you seen this one? Uh, so well, and what- <laughs> we were, we were, on top of it for sure and what was interesting is it seems that the nine artists who resigned 
still had access to the company's social media feeds because they posted their statements on both Twitter and Facebook. They were eventually deleted by the folks that I guess still worked there, um, which is really nobody. It's just the board and then the one member who uh, is on leave and then another member who has announced that she is resigning effective at the end of the month. So it's not a good situation. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all social media platforms at It's Grace Aki. And I want to say as a final, like, if you're going to go support understudies as well, uh, my friend and someone you've talked to mm-hmm. as well on the show, got a lot of um, dates. Andrew Cobert. Yeah, he's got a lot of dates yeah. coming up. He's got a ton of dates for Adam Maitland, and I have to see him in one of them. And it's starting Sunday, uh, July 31st through Sunday, August 7th. So for that full week, you're going to get Adam uh, with Andrew Kober's spin on it um, alongside uh, Carrie Butler. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, just wanted to shout that out because I couldn't believe he posted all the dates and I was like, okay, well, well that's happening at Beetlejuice. And, he, and he's going on for the dad as well, a couple Charles. days. Yeah, not, not Sunday, as many. Sunday, uh, July 24th. Yes. So. so he's got days for those. Still need a Cobra Beetlejuice day, but. Um, I know, I know. Fingers crossed one day, but I have wanted to see his Adam and I know yeah. he's going to be a really good, because he's a dad. He's a new dad. He's, he's got, got two, two kids, little kids, yeah. so I want to see him as Charles. So anyways, I just wanted to shout that out while we were shouting out understudy uh, dates that have been posted online because I just realized that happened. So go check Andrew Cobra. Yeah, we'll have to check those dates. <laughs> I might be in town for one of the dates that he's on as Adam. Well, so we might need to yeah. we might need to figure that out. But. I know. I know. All right, everybody, have a wonderful <laughs> Thursday. And I think Ashley and I will be back to talk to you tomorrow.